Remember, the views expressed on The Business Bros Show is only the opinion of The Business Bros. You should always seek your own legal advice, tax advice, and any other counsel regarding investments or financial obligations. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to yet another episode of Business Bros. I'm here with my business bro. Oh, sorry, I'm here. Uh, James. <laughs> and we're Business Bros. Yeah, sorry about that. I was rocking out to that theme song again. I know, dude. It gets stuck in your head pretty quickly. That's why I like it. And we yep. still got to make t-shirts. We still got to make t-shirts. By the way, uh, I didn't get the chance to do this last time, but... Uh, What's the, what's the name of the website where we got our uh, our theme song? Uh, it was bensound.com. Bensound.com. So thank you to those guys over there. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Yes, sir. All right. So today's episode is on successful business practices. We're going to call it My Problem is Your Problem. My Problem is Your Problem. All right. So how to make a business successful. And uh, we're not going to go into the nitty gritties of looking at P&Ls and balance sheets and looking at you know cash flow and all this stuff we're going to try to get down to the core things that you should focus your attention on so that your business is in fact successful so that you're building something that works that is focused that is customer oriented so that you have a future yeah and I mean we can start really by breaking this down to a very very basic need or a very basic reason for a business right and it's to fill a need it's to fill a need it's to solve a problem exactly i mean where there's problems there are solutions the thing is most people shy away from a problem i know i did early on yeah i mean let's let's talk about i mean let's let's we did the the pck episodes right i think it was like episode four we had uh we had big ups and we had the big downs in pck but what was the main reason why it failed. I mean, there, other than, you know, our cash flow management, we didn't know anything. We were rookies. But why Why did the business itself fail? Well, one of the big reasons that we identified later on was we didn't care enough, right? Especially me. I got to a point with computers that even though I was good with them, I didn't want to work with them. I started to get annoyed by not just customers but also family you know, and friends who always had computer problems and I was just everybody's computer guy and left, right, and, you know, forward, back, everywhere I went, it was, hey, hey, I got this going on with computers. And I just, I didn't want it to be my problem anymore. Well, okay, so one of my inspirations for even starting this podcast, by the way, was uh, my boy Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. right? He's awesome when he, talk, when he talks about business development, when he talks about branding, when he talks about, you know, who you are at the core, you know, and, and at the time when we were talking about PCK, you did that. We did that very well. People knew that if they had a computer problem, they called us. That's true. I mean, we did a really good job about of putting our information out there and making sure that everybody knew this is what we did. Right. We created a good brand for ourselves, at least within, you know, our local micro market, within our family, within our friends, within the community that we opened up our store. We were those people. Right. I mean, you especially. Like you said, family would be calling. But the problem is, I mean, there was always a problem with computers at the time. Oh, yeah. Right? And so there was always a need for solutions. Yep. 
but you're saying you got tired of them calling you for the solution. Right. I mean, that's that's detrimental to a business. Absolutely. If you're trying to make it successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you're trying to make it successful and your job is to get people to call you when they have problems, but when they call you with their problems, you don't want to help them. <laughs> that's, that's a as, quick ticket to the end, you know. And th- and ultimately, that's that's really what happened with with uh, with PCK. So we ended up hiring some some people. Yep. Right. One of them was our boy Sergio. Yep. Oh yeah, that was always that right. was a good time. Yeah. That was our first experience on on firing somebody. That was right. And and I think you know th- the reason why we fired him is because we had that that. Uh, Free diagnostic with a twenty dollar trip charge, right? Mm-hmm. So we would go out to your house, we'd diagnose your computer, and if um, and we'd basically we'd give you an estimate on the the cost of repair, and you could either say okay, go for it, we'd do you know take care of the take care of the service right then and there, or you say no, that's okay, that's too expensive. You pay the twenty dollar trip charge for us to come out there, and you're good to go. At least I, you know what the problem. At is. At least you know what the problem is. Um, Sergio kept turning in a lot of the invoices with nothing but $20 trip charges over and over and over again. I mean, at first it was okay. Maybe this guy just doesn't know how to sell, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he just doesn't know how to get people to say, yeah, I want to move forward with this repair. Right. Maybe it was something that he would learn over time is what we were thinking. Right. But then we got the phone call from the client. Saying, hey, you did XYZ services and it's messed up again. Can you send the tech out? And, and so we look course, over that invoice and what's on the invoice is you didn't do any service with us. There's only a $20 trip charge. And that's when we found out what Sergio was doing. He was basically stealing from us. We had to confront him. He didn't deny it. He admitted it and, you know, off he went. We, we had cut ties with him. But, you know, in, in looking... Looking back at that situation in hindsight, there was a problem there, right? He needed some sort of revenue source. Right. So one of the things, you know, looking back, because I'm sure he was a good tech. He would solve problems. Yeah. So it's not like he he knew what he was doing. He was certified. I remember at the time he was one of the first ones that we hired that was, you know, we were looking for certified people. A plus certification. So he knew what he was doing. We should have put him on a salary with like a warning and stuck him in in the shop. To right. work on computers, you know, to solve his problem. Look, we're going to pay you a flat hourly rate. You're going to service all these computers in-house. We're not going to send you out until we learn to trust you again or something like that. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, we cut them loose. That is also an option. Somebody steals from you, you cut the ties. Definitely. But in in honor of our episode today, you know, my problem is your problem. We didn't take a look at his problem. That's true. Right. We could have taken a look at his problem and used his skills to enhance our business. Right. One of his major skills really was the fact that he was a fluent Spanish speaker in a very uh, predominantly Spanish speaking neighborhood. Exactly. Exactly. So it would have definitely been beneficial for us to utilize that skill if we would have made his problem our problem. Yep. You know, but instead we just saw him as a A problem. problem. Exactly. And we cut him loose. Yep. You know, and that's 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 tough. But I mean. By the same token, you don't know. I mean, that that is a character trait. We probably did the right thing and let him go. But, you know, again, looking back, you know, making my problem your problem is going to be a little bit different. So non-successful business practices um, are very so, – so some of the things that you might think are intuitive are, are, you know, not. So 
I mean, the first point that we have in our on our show prep notes here is being target revenue only. So going after the dollars only. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and, and some would argue that's actually a good thing. I've, I've been reading a book called Profits Are in Everything. They're the only thing. And, and in some businesses, understanding that you are in business to make a profit is important. You're not in business to help and uh, give away things and make, you know, bad decisions and use it as a piggy bank like we were doing before. Your intent is to make a profit. Right. Right. But, but whoa, we got a printer going. But part of that is also um, making sure that it's the revenue is not the only thing. Right. You're going to get revenue if you focus your attention on helping right. your clients. Right. The revenue will follow. The more you help me, the more I want to purchase whatever it is that you are selling. The- and, yeah. And not just that. The more I help you, the more you're going to tell your friends about me. That too. You know, I mean, so so being only revenue driven is not a, a long-term practice. Right. It's not going to make you successful long-term. It is important to have goals and targets to achieve when it comes to sales. But your primary focus in a, in a business should be to help out your client. Right. It, your primary purpose for being as business, in business is to solve somebody else's problems. Let's talk about the business that we're in right now. Right. Right. Insurance. Why do we exist as an insurance agency? People can go to Geico, people can go to eSurance, people can go to Allstate, whatever. They can go to any number of websites to purchase an auto insurance policy. So why does the insurance agent exist? Relationship-based. Relationship, right? We exist because we help these clients understand what they're purchasing, right? So if I go to Geico and I just want to put together the cheapest possible policy, I could very easily do that. I'm going to pick the lowest numbers of coverage and, you know, I'm going to end up paying, you know, $30, $40 a month or whatever it is, depending on my driving record, my car, et cetera, and so on. I equate that the same with uh, TurboTax. So I have clients that come to me and they're like, hey, TurboTax said I'm getting a refund of like $6,000, right? I'm like, well, what did you do? And I look at it and I'm like, whoa, you know, you did this, this, and this. They're like, no, I just put, clicked on the right box to make my number bigger. Yeah. And insurance is the opposite. I clicked on the right box to to make make my my premium smaller. smaller. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't actually know what it is you're doing. All you know is that you're changing the number so that it fits your need. And that or your perceived need, your perceived need. Yep. Right. You're you're, because you're looking at it from a purely month to month standpoint. Right. And again, target revenue only. right? Right. It works on the consumer side, too. You can get yourself in real trouble if you get a fat refund from the IRS that you weren't supposed to get. Or if you get really low insurance coverage and the next thing you know, the person that you injured in that accident is coming after your house. Right. So not knowing, right, not knowing what the problem is can come back to bite you uh, later down the road. So the reason why our insurance agents exist, you're right, we're giving you solutions to the problems that exist. Right. Or helping you understand what those solutions are. Right, right. So again, it just goes to say that businesses exist to solve problems. Absolutely. Not just to create revenue. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, let's see, let's let's go into, I mean, let me show you a little bit about 
another business that I had that was actually successful. I didn't I didn't build this one for me per se. So um, at the time I was working at H and R Block, right? It was right after um, my bankruptcy. I failed uh, with PC Cruisers, and I'm trying to reestablish uh, a life for myself by working with H and R Block and learning the rules and taxes. Right. Right. And so um, I end up do you know digging my nose into taxes so much I start teaching tax school um, for H and R Block, and then I start you know getting ready to manage multiple offices for H and R Block. And so I'm sitting with my district manager, and she says, "Hey, um, we need the offices cleaned um, once a week during tax season. Uh, can you make that happen? Go ahead and solicit companies, do whatever you need to um, to get it done." And at the time. My in-laws, or my mother-in-law mainly, was looking for work. She wanted something to do. And so I I pitched it to her. I was like, hey, well, you know, my offices at H&R Block need cleaning. Uh, I'll talk to my district manager. If that's something you want to do, you guys, you know, you go in, you clean the offices at night. And, you know, we'll pay in and I'll handle, you know, all the creating the business part. And uh, I'll handle all the revenue part. And I'll just cut you your checks all the time. And so the first problem that you were solving was the problem of your mother-in-law looking for work. No, actually, no, 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 no. go that's and the back. second problem. That's the second problem. The first one was your manager needed somebody to clean the offices. Right, and sh- and and being as I was a district manager in training, basically, she said, "This is the problem. Here, you solve it. Make it happen. Make it happen." And so you know, I was looking for for people to clean, but they were charging way way more than what um, our budget allowed, and so. I found the next best solution. Why don't I just make a company to do it? There you go. And so RNA cleaning was born at the time. And, and so my mother-in-law um, and my father-in-law would go in in the evenings and clean the offices. I think it was, I think they were making something like we'd clean every office once a month. And I think there was like 12 offices and each office was like 120 bucks or something, you know, so they were, they were doing okay for a week's pay. What is that? I I think we did the math before it ended up being close to yeah it was like almost fifteen hundred like fourteen fifty fourteen forty uh per week per week and so you know this started you know this worked out this was every week they had a set clientele and we'd go in and we'd get the offices clean and now all of a sudden I had a new business I mean this is not even since bankruptcy I think this was maybe six months later that I went from you know taking blowing out the first company to now having a new company generating revenue from an existing business that or for an existing company that i worked for it's funny one of the other episodes we talked about uh that it was within a year from that bankruptcy that you had done the uh condo flip and also bought the game truck but in between that time you also started this cleaning company as well so really, it didn't take very long at all. No, I mean, it it was a nice chunk of change. My mother-in-law was happy. Father-in-law was happy. Um, then we had to sit down and talk about incorporating and, you know, filing tax returns for this company and all this stuff, which was new to them too. But at least at this point, I had already gone through the ups and downs of what a business was like. I realized, you know, it was about helping and figuring out and solving the problem. Mm-hmm. And here I am solving problems and making money at the same time right and it was it was a good experience to have you know um you know knowing exactly who your clients are um knowing exactly what they're looking for 
providing a solution for what problems they have and and then we learned uh the importance of good employees at the time right a whole different ballgame that is that really is one of the hardest parts of building a business i mean one of our business partners that's exactly what it talks about you know over at uh their training schools finding good teachers people that are reliable people that show up people that you know and you got to understand i mean in in one of the previous episodes we said you know, when, when you get hired for a job, it's not your boss's job to make you rich, right? I mean, we, right. so so as an employee, you got to understand that, you know, you're not going to make millions of dollars a year as a W-2 employee. It's just not going to happen. However, if you turn the table and look at it from the perspective of employee, you're, you're not going to make me rich. I'm going to put in the minimal effort I need to, to get my wage that I have to. Right. You know, and that's, that's, it, it definitely is a mindset. Little do employees know that if they really do put in their effort, if re- they really make themselves invaluable, they will be worth that much more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they know it intuitively, but, you know, going in day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, doing the repetitive nature and, and getting things done just as they come up instead of taking that extra mile i mean it, it's it's it weighs on you after a while you don't really want to take that extra step because you're you're trying to do just the regular steps and they also have lives outside of work that you mm-hmm. know they got to take the kids to school or to sports or whatever it is so that extra dedication isn't always there right but you can always tell you know when an employers talking about when we're talking about having good employees it's those employees that we know that are going to be there for the long haul they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to make the business better because they are better. Right. One thing I tell my students when they when they want to give up on a problem, they're like, oh, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. I wish it was easier. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> don't wish that it's that it was easier. Wish that you were better. Right. And work to be better and work to be better because you can be you can get there, you know, and, and it's it's tough. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, we learned with with RNA cleaning. We ended up, uh, it was more like a family business. So we hired, you know, cousins and family members right. and, you know, that worked out. We got by, um, and, and eventually, um, my mother-in-law, father-in-law couldn't do it anymore. We kind of passed it off over to the, one of the cousins just said, here, you take it and take over, but we're going to step out. And, you know, it didn't, and it, and it didn't really end up going anywhere at that point because again, the management of a business is more than just the technician work. It's more than just you can clean, right? right? It's building the relationships. Again, knowing who your clients are, being able to talk to, to your, to your customers, being able to find new customers, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different things. Um, and it's, I don't want to diminish it. It's just cleaning. So you're not, you know, invaluable in that point. Anybody can clean. Right. So you have to definitely build that relationship and help solve their problems. You know, we ended up uh, cleaning um, beach resorts like there. Now they would be like Airbnb places. So somebody <laughs> would come and stay for a week or two weeks or a summer or whatever. And we'd go in and clean every week or whatever it was, you know. And, and so you deal with each one of the customers is actually a homeowner. So they would, you know, come out and hire us to do those types of things. And and um when we handed the business over it wasn't as easy for that person to come in and continue to do what what i was doing before which was the customer acquisition part 
you know, that's, it wasn't their forte. They were great at what they did. They could come in and clean a place and make it spotless and beautiful, but growing it was a problem. They didn't understand that aspect of it, which most people don't. I mean, that's the difference between trying to transition from being an employee, being a technician and, and doing the work to thinking you can all of a sudden go out and build the business your own because you're excellent at that job. So this is going to, uh, this is speaking to the book, The E-Myth. Do you remember the name of, the, of that author? Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber. So he talks about a business being um, three-pronged. Three, three yeah. So you have the technician, which is the person who does the work, the manager, and the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur being the visionary. So in this whole thing that you're talking about where, where nobody was out there acquiring new customers and doing all that, that would be the work of the entrepreneur. Right. And the people that are in there cleaning, actually getting everything done, that's the work of the technician. the technician. And the managerial role is another one that's always really hard to fill. That's the one that's making sure that the customers are happy, that the work is being done, that the, the scheduling, schedules. yep, all of that good all stuff. The materials are in, the supplies are in, <clears throat> everything has a place, mm -hmm. everything's on a schedule. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Uh, so they're making sure that the day-to-day -day operations happen. Right. The technician is more like, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Let me do my work. Let me do my work. And the manager is watching over saying, this is the job you have to go to today. This is where you have to go to today. By the way, here's your supplies. Make sure you clock in. Make sure you take your breaks. Mm -hmm. Right. And the entrepreneur, like you said, is the one. Talking Throwing to the customers and always, you know what, we're going to change it. You're not going to work in the mornings anymore. Now you're going to work at night so we can get two more jobs done during the day. And, you know, now you're going to, um, by the way, we're going to use company cars now. So you can't drive your own car. Um, you're going to clock in at this location instead of at the site because we need to, you know, all these different things to try to make the business better. That's the entrepreneur. Right. But the technician hates the entrepreneur because he's getting in the way of doing the work. Mm-hmm. The manager doesn't like the entrepreneur because you're changing my system. You're messing things up. I'm messing with my routine. Messing with my routine. But without the entrepreneur, there's no new work. Without the manager, nothing gets done in a systematic way. And without the technician, the actual work doesn't get done. Right. So all of them are valuable. All of them are pieces of the puzzle that make it work. Um, That's one of the things that has really helped us in our business is that we have those things in place. Yes, yes. Systems, systems are absolutely crucial because you're building something that someone else can follow, that someone else can replicate. And when you're solving problems, a really good methodology is to find a system that works. Because oftentimes customers are going to have similar problems. Right. So if you follow a set path on how to solve it, I mean, it's kind of like troubleshooting your computer. Right. So if you have a question, usually you, you Google the help section and there's somebody who's had the same problem. Have you ever called a uh, tech support line like for your phone or anything like oh, that? Yeah. All yeah. the time. Do you notice they follow a script? Did you try this? Did you turn it off and turn it back on again? Can you reset the router? Can you? They follow a script, a trouble, a troubleshooting script. Yeah. It's that, a system. It's a system. And it, it's designed so that anybody so that. Uh, an outsourced uh, Filipino-based company or an outsourced Indian-based company can walk you through the prompts and get you to the solution. 
Yeah, right. Get you to a solution. Well, or at least get you to the next uh, call. <laughs> but the system is <laughs> the system is in place to try to help solve the problem. Right. There's a lot of basic things that can be solved by those things. It's when you have the really complicated ones that, yeah, that doesn't help. Right. right. I only call tech support for the complicated ones, and then I just laugh at myself. Why did I bother? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, let's see. Last little thing we need to know when building a business is who is your client, right? I mean, whose who, problem are you trying to solve? Whose problem are you trying to solve? Are you targeting, you know, 18, 19 year olds fresh out of high school? Is that your demographic? Are you looking at people who are 55 and older who are about to retire? Is that your demographic? Right. Because if you're talking types of annuities problems. and life insurance and stuff like that, what does an 18 year old care? Yeah, they yeah. don't. However, a 55-year-old who's looking to retire in the next five to 10 years. They're really interested. They're really interested. They really want to know, right? And so each of them have different problems. And even if we look at it just from a purely financial standpoint. So a 55-year-old is talking about endgame. They've gone through the accumulation phase, meaning they've worked their entire adult life to build a nest egg so that they can retire. Right. If you look at an 18-year-old, they have financial problems too. But it's not on that end of the scale. They're they're thinking, how am I going to pay for college? Where am I going to live? Can I buy a new car? Can I buy a car? Can I buy a Slurpee? <laughs> right? I mean, the, the, the Can I take my girlfriend to the movies? Yeah, the scale of money problems are completely different. Right. But they're problems nonetheless. And there's, there are industries out there that target just those 18-year-olds, right? Credit card companies, for example. Oh, yeah. They make a killing. There's tons of credit card applications when you go to college. Tons, because it's so easy to get them to sign on the dotted line. They know they have a lifetime of accumulation mm-hmm. to pay off certain debts. So there's a huge industry there. Same thing with the club scene. Same thing with, I don't know, everything from alcohol to e-cigarettes to uh, clothing to everything that can target that demographic is being done. Like the MTV era or whatever. By the way, slightly off topic, did you know that it's... Uh 21 now is the legal age for smoking cigarettes in California. I didn't know for that. For purchasing ki- cigarettes in California. I didn't know that. Crazy, That's kind right? of good, though, I guess. I, I guess so. Yeah. But anyway, that yeah. was a little bit off topic. But, but still the same target, right? So they're, they're, but even then, right? If you, I mean, taking that exact concept, they're not targeting 21 year olds. No, they're targeting much younger. Much younger, so that they're hooked by the time they're 21 years old. Right. So, but so everybody has a demographic. Everybody has a target audience, and and understanding who you're targeting is going to make an infinite difference in how well you spend your marketing dollars, mm-hmm. how well you spend your time, how often you call back certain leads, because you want to make sure that the time that you spend either on the phone or the money you spend uh, sending out your mailers or emails or bomb bomb videos or whatever it is that you're using to market to your clientele, you're spending your time wisely. You're not just throwing a, a net out into the vast ocean and hoping to catch something. Right. You know? So another thing that I just want to point out when I, when you're talking about advertising and making sure that you're reaching your, your target market It's not just reaching your target market. Another thing that you mentioned was following up, right? When it comes to uh, keeping customers, it's a lot cheaper to keep customers 
than it is to get new ones. Yeah. The acquisition cost on a new customer, depending on your industry, can be massive. It can be a couple bucks, one, two, three dollars, but it can be one, two, three thousand dollars per right. customer. And, you know, in, in actually in any industry, in any sales job, follow up is is key. I mean, you people generate leads all the time. It can be something as simple as, hey, my friend is interested in buying a house. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you answer that? Oh, cool. Here's my information. Have him give me a call. That's one way you can answer it. Or or what's the number? Let me uh, you know, is there any way you can set an uh a an introduction, introduction. A, an introduction with us so that we can get things going? How soon can I contact them? What's the best time to reach them? What's right. the best way to reach them? I mean, it's the same thing. That's a lead. Now mm-hmm. here's the other thing. Let's say they do you do get the number. You pick up the phone, you call that client, right? And you get their voicemail. What do you do? Well, 99% of the time, whether or not you leave a voicemail is arguable, right? But the fact that you didn't make contact, the lead usually gets dropped there. Yeah. Most people don't follow up. Don't pick up the phone again and call. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe four times until you finally get that person on the line. How hungry are you for it? How hungry are you for it? And really, I mean, if that person is truly going to buy, why they're eventually going to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Why Either not you, you? Why not you? And I'll tell you why not you. Cause usually you didn't follow up. Right. Right. And, and that's, I mean, it's sales, right? It requires a follow up. Oftentimes in sales, it's about the third between the third and the fifth touch by the time you actually mm-hmm. make a sale. Sometimes even more, sometimes more, but you're building that relationship because once you have that relationship, they will buy from you. Absolutely true. Step one, gain their trust. Gain their trust. All right. So, I mean, that's uh, my problem is your problem. So, let's recap real quick. What do we need to do to build a successful business? Find a problem. Find a solution. Find a problem. Find a solution. Identify your client. Target a specific audience that you're looking for. All right. And make sure that you identify what their problem is so you can find a solution in your repertoire, your what toolbox. In your toolbox. Right? Because everybody has problems. Everybody has problems. Yep. Find which problems you can solve and provide a solution. Provide a solution. All right. Well, I mean, that was another good little episode we got here. And as usual, if you have any problems, I'd love to hear what you got. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at csfirst.com or you can go to our website, www.csfirst.com or follow us on Twitter at Trades on the Road. All right. Uh, we've been talking about doing a uh, stock episode here soon. Maybe we'll do that. Let's see if we get any interest on that one. There we go. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's all we got for you today. Peace. Bye-bye.